Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 7, Episode 5. Mid-season. Mid-season, with no mid-season break. No, no indeed. Well, that's assuming this season has like 10 episodes. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe there'll be a mid-season break after this one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or the, maybe uh, not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, my, my name is Andy Balaam. And this is... Andy Cockerell. Hello, Andy Cockerell. Hello. That's where the name comes from, because we're both called Andy. And and we're good robots. And the other part's not strictly true, but it's... <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the last part is true, we are both called Andy. It's a, uh, it's a Bill and Ted reference. Yeah, I think <clears> it might <throat> be from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, actually. It is, yes. Yeah, look it, it up, is. listener. Yeah, you'll find a reference to the good robot usses. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. They're built by Station, who isn't yeah. a space alien. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird name, that, isn't it? Station. There we go. Uh, that's, that's the first and probably only Bill and Ted reference of the pod right. today. Um, uh, shall I do some, so, I do some any other business? Well, this, so we, normally we say what film we're going to do, and then we do that. Yeah. So okay. the film that we're going to talk about this evening is Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Yes. Um, I I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't think of anything. Uh, any f- summary of it. So not even a rollicking Disney adventure. No, I mean it actually sounds like a Marvel film. It's not. Yeah. Well, I was assuming not because I just have to leave. <laughs> It's not a Marvel film. <laughs> okay. Um, it's resolutely in our ballpark in terms of genre. You mean it's horror, but teenage, but also a teenage coming of age drama? No, actually, no. It's not. <laughs> well, actually, maybe it is a bit. Yeah. Incidentally, in what, is yeah. it? In what way is it in our genre? Uh, shall I tell you? Don't after spoilers. Any don't tell business? me. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't yeah. give me. Yeah. Fine. Okay. This, this podcast has spoilers, by the way, listen. It, oh yeah, we're going to go. Deep, deep down in the spoilers on this one. But we're not going to spoil yeah. the podcast. We're only going to spoil the film. So Only the film, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, some any other business, some sad any other business, is that actor Max von Sydow has died. He was 90. And what which is, is a ripe old for? age. He is known for being in the number one horror movie of the 20th century, according to this podcast. What was that? He, the Exorcist. Oh, right, right, right. In which he played Father Lancaster Merrin. Okay. Um, aged up to look like he was 75. Right. When he, at the time, he was in his 40s. Oh. Um, incredible makeup, but, but an amazing performance as well. So I did not know that he was not 75 when I first saw the movie. Mm, me neither. Because his performance is so good. He never breaks out of... His performance during the film, you never think, oh, he's not walking like a 75-year-old man. Um, he looks his age, and that's an amazing an amazing performance. Um, so, Was he in other career, things? Loads of things, yeah. So I, just, I was just looking back through his, um, his filmography. His, his, um, featured in over 100 films and TV series. Wow. His most memorable film roles include include the knight Antonius Block in Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. I've heard uh, of actually, that. 
we've got another Bill and Ted reference then, uh, because in that he famously plays death at chess. <laughs> <laughs> already two robot journey references. Already, already two Bill and Ted references. I mean, bogus journeys, what did I say? When I said there wasn't going to be another one, but there Wrong. is another one. Um, bogus. He made, uh, he made 11 films with Ingmar Bergman. Hmm. Um, he also played Jesus Christ in George Stevens' The Greatest Story Ever Told. Don't think I've seen he, that. He plays a very Aryan-looking Jesus. <laughs> um, appeared in The Exorcist, uh, mm-hmm. as I just said. Uh, he's in David Lynch's Dune. Okay. Disappointing. Uh, Woody Allen's Hannah and Her Sisters, which is a favourite of mine. Penny oh, Marshall's sure. Awakenings. Actually, we talked about Penny Marshall, I think, last year. She, I like she Awakenings. Sa- yeah. So he's in that. She sadly died last year. We talked about Awakenings. So Woody... <clears throat> did you say Woody Allen? We did. So recommend yes. a Woody Allen film for someone like me who doesn't like them. Uh, do you like the early funny ones or the later know. not funny ones? I don't know. I don't I reckon- think I've seen one, really. Oh, okay. I recommend Love and Death. Love and Death. Which is set in uh, Tsarist Russia. Okay. Uh, blackly comedic, funny... Uh, it's a kind of mix of the early funny ones and the later not funny ones. It's a sort of mix of the two. Okay. Because um, he famously, Woody Allen, he he made a lot of comedies and then he stopped making comedies. But then he started making them again later on. But um, I was a big fan of Woody Allen when I was a lad. I still am. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I, know, I just can't really be bothered. Okay. Well, <laughs> then, uh, then maybe I'll spoil one on this pod. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Uh, what else? Uh, Steven Spielberg's Minority Report, which I thought was fine, but he's in that. Nice ideas um, in that. Yeah, he's also in Shutter Island, which... Yeah, I liked it. I kind of liked. Uh, and he, he has a very small cameo in The Force Awakens. Ah. At the very beginning. Um, so, incredible career. Uh, I think... I, th- I don't think you could say that he squandered his talent. I think he was very busy. Did a lot of stuff. Uh, he was also in Flash Gordon as Ming the Merciless. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, despite the fact that it's incredibly camp and very silly, it's actually a very watchable movie, Flash I Gordon. Don't, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it as long remarkable, as you, doesn't it? That I as long as you just take it for what it is, which is a load of camp silliness, it's hugely enjoyable. Okay, but you have to take it on that on that value. You, you don't try and read anything else into it. <laughs> so it requires caveats, I can tell. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely caveats. Um, so yeah, Max von Sydow, Sydow, Sydow. Mm-hmm. Yes, has passed. Okay, should we go back to the movie? It's just a death announcement section. Yeah, basically, the any other business is a death announcement section. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's sad. It is sad. Back to the movie. Yeah, do it. Back to the movie. So, Doctor Sleep, mm-hmm. uh, a title for which you could not find anything funny to say. <laughs> well, I don't think it was the title. <laughs> it's me. Are you not feeling it today? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just have to do a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so this is marketed as Stephen King's Doctor Sleep. That will give you a clue. All right. It it really sounds like it's very very marvelly, but okay. 
Okay. Uh, it's a 2019, so very new, mm-hmm. uh, American supernatural horror film mm-hmm. based on the 2013 novel of the same title by Stephen King. That's a relatively modern novel. I didn't realise he was yes. even writing them. He's still writing. Yeah, he's still churning books out. Not churning out. He's still writing, you know. He's, mm-hmm. and, uh, I've read a couple of his recent ones. I haven't read this one, but I read one called Duma Key, which I enjoyed immensely. Okay. Um... And it is a sequel to King's 1977 novel, The Shining. Oh, you've mentioned this before. Yes. I think I maybe mentioned it last year or the year before, where I said I'm quite excited about this film version. Right. Um, uh, so I think this is the first time we've featured a sequel on the pod. Oh. I could be wrong about that, though. Well, it's did not, we feature yeah. Terminator 2? No, we haven't done any of the Terminator movies. No, because it wasn't. That's not horror. We only did horror. Sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, do you? Oh, do you mean on the? Um, no. Did we do sci-fi? No, we did horror. Yeah, yeah. We did. Uh, we did some sci-fi horror, I guess, like yeah, Alien. But but Terminator's not horror at all, is it? So. No, that's a sci-fi action. Yeah. So Definitely. we were going to do like our top three Arnie films. Yes, we should still do that. Yeah. Wouldn't it just be um, Terminator Two, Terminator Two, and Terminator Two? <laughs> Are there any other good Arnie films? Yeah, but, you know, Terminator 2 is just streets ahead of everything else. I like Terminator 1. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think I think that T2 has more elegant storytelling. And a more compelling baddie as well. You think? Yeah, I think the T-1000, because the T-1000 just looks kind of ordinary looking and yet is unstoppable, makes it more scary. The T-1000 will definitely try to reacquire you there. Yes, it will. Yeah. And it's made of mm, mimetic po- poly alloy. M- mimetic polymetal alloy. M- mimetic poly alloy. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, so Doctor Sleep, the film, mm-hmm. oh, that, which, yeah. Yeah. which also serves as a direct sequel to the film adaptation of The Shining. Okay, so... How does that film have a sequel? Well, let's talk about that. Okay, let's. Let's talk about it. So, um, so The Shining, famously directed by Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is set several decades after the events of the original and combines elements of the 1977 novel as well as the 1980 film. Um, okay, because, there's, because Stephen King didn't like the original film, right? He did not like Stanley Kubrick's movie. Um, I can understand, having read about it some more, why he didn't like it, that there are elements that he doesn't like about it, and those are that in the book, the character of um, Danny Torrance is very much the focal point of the book. Mm -hmm. But Stanley Kubrick made Jack Torrance, played by uh, Jack Nicholson, the focal point of the movie. And King took issue with that. And I can Mm -hmm. see why he would take issue with that. But Mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to let your darlings go and just let someone do with it as they will. Um, So, yeah. So this movie manages to be a sequel to both properties, both the book and the movie, even though both things are quite different. That's interesting. Manages to reconcile both things with... Whether which with I would say quite a sleight of hand. <laughs> okay. It's it's not heavy handed about it. You know, it does it in such a way that you don't really notice that it's doing it, which is pretty clever. Right. Um 
It's written, directed and edited by Mike Flanagan, who is um, who has who has made some Stephen King stuff before, but is a very accomplished horror movie director. Okay, but not as famous as Stanley Kubrick. Oh no, 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 no. Um, so were they not going for blockbuster status? No, I think they were trying to find somebody who likes Stephen King and likes Stanley Kubrick and could kind of could reconcile those two things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and make something compelling. Um, the film stars Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance. Okay, I'm out. No, okay, you don't like Ewan McGregor. <laughs> well, I don't know. What's he been good in? Uh, train spotting. Yeah. He was good in Shallow Grave. I mean, I don't know these movies were a long time ago. Yeah. Um, he's been in some good stuff since then. But I just can't think of it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think now. He was good in a movie called... Oh, what was it called? You're a good man, Professor. Um, I think that's the tagline from it, but I can't remember what it was called. Um, he's got a, you know, he's got a charisma to spare. So he is Danny Torrance, who's the kid from The Shining. Okay. He's got psychic abilities, and he's struggling with the trauma that he experienced. Obviously, he's struggling with that, and he's mm-hmm. self-medicating using alcohol okay. to suppress his abilities. So just to recap, the trauma that he experienced was... Um, he was chased dad, around a hotel by his dad with an axe. His dad tried to kill him and his mother. Yeah, and his mother. Uh, and then... And then didn't? Dad, and then didn't. And this is where the this is where the the book and the movie of The Shining split. So there's a split timeline there. Okay. So in the book, Jack Torrance he does try and kill them, <clears throat> but he kind of regains some of his humanity. Goes down to the basement and overloads the furnaces, so the the hotel burns down with him in it. Mm-hmm. But his family escape. Okay. In Stanley Kubrick's movie, um, uh, he freezes to death in the maze and the hotel is still standing at the end. Okay, okay. So there's a difference. There's there's quite a big difference there in the way that those two movies end. But, but he dies in both of them and the, the mum and the boy both survive in both of yes. them. Yes, yes. But the hotel burns down in the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So in Doctor Sleep, the film, the now adult Dan Torrance, as he's known, must protect a young girl with similar powers, although it has to be said more powerful than he is. Okay. Um, He needs to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. That's a very Stephen King thing. (laughs) and the the leader of the true knot is played by Rebecca Ferguson, um, who is an actress who is incredibly busy. What's she, she of? I don't know if you I don't know if you would have seen anything with her in actually, but she's been in the last three or maybe two uh, Mission Impossible movies, which I find to be very Genius. entertaining. Very oh, okay. entertaining. Okay, okay. Um, I, I don't think I've seen them, but. It's just yeah, people with those thing. silly masks, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's people with silly masks. Yeah, that should be the tagline. Yeah. Yeah, people with silly masks. Tom Cruise running. Right, yeah. Um, so she is the leader of The True Knot, and her, her character's name is Rose the Hat. 
Because <laughs> okay. she wears a hat. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's quite a powerful... She has the shine. In fact, all, they all have the shine, but they prey on... They prey on children who have the shine and they steal their powers. Their they life steal force. Their, yeah, their life force, yeah. Okay. Um, it doesn't hold back on that, but I'll talk about that in a moment. So, so we... The film starts with a flashback to 1980, so not you know, probably in the sort of same time frame as when the, the events at the Overlook were taking place, mm-hmm. um, where we first, we first meet Rose the Hat and we first understand what they're doing, what they're up to. Although, although they are pursuing a little girl and we don't see what happens to her, you know, it all happens off screen mm-hmm. in that case. But And then later on in 2011... We meet them again, but none of them have aged. Okay. Which is a bit weird. Uh, and then we start to understand why they haven't aged. How do they make that obvious? Because you could imagine that kind of passing you by if you weren't paying attention. If you're not paying attention, if you didn't see the 2011 flashcard on the screen, you might be... But but they do talk about it. So, okay. Okay. Um, so they they recruit a young girl who they realise is has has the shine, and is using her shine to rob people. So she's getting them to go to sleep and then stealing their wallets or whatever. So um, the boy in the original, yes, the shine means being able to see dead people. Um, or not? Y- yes, it, it does for him. Okay. But everybody's shine. It appears that everybody's shine is different. Okay. Um, so we we can sort of take the shine as being psych psycho. What are we talking about? Kinetic abilities. Um, right. Telekinesis. Does he have telekinesis? I feel like there's something. Dan like Torrance that. doesn't have telekinesis. Okay, no. he just has seeing dead people. Okay. He can see dead people, but but what they go into in in Doctor Sleep is that the dead people seek out Dan Torrance. Okay. Because they want his shine. They want his power. Okay. And that's what was going on at the hotel. Okay. Okay. So they had nothing to do with Jack. They were after Dan. And that's what's in the book, is that Dan is the focus point, the focal point for what's going on. So so was it just a coincidence that this very special boy... Was it also in this uh, very perilous situation in the first film slash book? Uh, a coincidence? How do you mean a coincidence? Like, I mean, does the shininess of the boy have anything to do with Jack going mad? Um, yeah, no, possibly not. Possibly not, because I think Jack was also self-medicating on booze. Um... And was ready to uh, to go mad if you, you see think what I mean. Jack ready, has the shine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, we actually meet Jack at the hotel later on in the movie. Whoa! Um, okay. Or not Jack, but someone playing Jack, but someone who looks a lot like him. Okay. Um. So yeah, Dan is uh, back to the present day. Dan is not quite the present day. Actually, like five years before the present day. Dan mm-hmm. is self-medicating. He's a mm-hmm. mess. Mm-hmm. He really is a mess. He's drinking. He's picking up women in bars and getting horribly drunk and 
he, I would say he doesn't have anywhere to live. He's basically homeless. He, he, um, we, we see a scene of him going to a, a, a coach station and putting the money on the counter and say, how far will this get me? Right. Because he's got nothing left. He mm-hmm. is, um, he's a complete mess. We see flashbacks to him with his mum. Um, so this is a this is an a different, obviously a different actor playing young Danny Torrance and a different actor playing Shelley Duvall. She has a very distinctive look. The original actor, very That's... distinctive, and and they have found someone who looks a lot like her, but 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 her look is very distinctive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, it doesn't really matter. You you, mm-hmm. you know who these people are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It doesn't really matter that they don't look exactly like them. Do you have to be a bit on it with how with what the shining? Because I feel I feel like I didn't really understand the shining. You're helping me actually, but okay, that's good. That's but do good. you feel like you have to be on on it to to get this film? Or, or? No, no, it does it does a great deal of basil exposition for you to keep okay. you up, to keep you <laughs> up to date with it all. So we see in flashback we see Dan's life with his mum, living in Florida, mm-hmm. and we, and we see. Uh, in The Shining, the um, the hideous lady in the bathtub. Yeah. She is still haunting him. Okay, so oh, so these people follow him around? They don't, yes. They didn't yeah. stay in the hotel? No, they follow him around. Oh, um, oh poor kid. And then we see uh, the... No, I'm trying to think who the character was. So that there was a character played by Scatman Crothers, who was Danny's friend. Huge... Uh, Black, bold black guy who befriends Danny and says says to Danny without speaking can you hear me because he realises that Danny has the shine mm. so he appears to him as uh, as as a kind of ghost okay. although he appear, although he doesn't use that word he says I'm I'm dreaming on earth is what he says okay uh, so we are, so he's only that he's not a physical person no that we see okay no um, and he's there to give him, him. He is there to again, as a Basil, Basil exposition type person, okay. to give him information about what's coming up. By the way, the um, the scary lady appears in uh, um, Ready, Ready Player, Player One? One. Yes, she does. Yes, yes. It's good. I think it's okay that bit. I, the only times I've watched it, I was more worried about whether my kids were terrified than actually enjoying the film in that Yeah, in that I watched section. that with my son, actually, and I, I didn't think that sequence was all that scary, considering it's taken straight from The Shining. Yeah, it's probably more scary for someone who's got the context of the whole of The Shining. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah. Dan is at rock bottom. There's flashba- flashbacks... And so his friend, who is dreaming on Earth, gives him mm-hmm. information about how to lock these spirits, these these unquiet apparitions away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentally lock them away mm-hmm. in boxes in his mind. He gives him information on how to do that. Okay. Um, so he's able to do this. Which is good for him because he's, but but not good for him as an adult because he's still a mess. Right. Okay. So it doesn't really work very it, well. It works in that they don't haunt him anymore, but it doesn't work in the fact that if he doesn't drink, the shine is always there. Okay. And it's you know it, it's ever present. Mm-hmm. Um. But he he ends up using his last bit of money to travel to a town. 
and there he meets a character played by Cliff Curtis, um, who was actually in Fear of, the, Fear of the Walking Dead, Cliff Curtis. Okay. can't remember. I don't know what character he plays in it, but he is in Fear the Walking Dead. I've watched most of one series of Fear the Walking Dead. I've got a few recorded that I might watch soon. I liked it, actually. I thought it was... I liked the different location. It's like that you got to watch The Walking Dead, but again. Yes, because you watch it from the very beginning. Yeah. And Cliff Curtis is a recovering alcoholic and a a recovering drug addict Mm -hmm. who sees Dan Torrance and recognises himself immediately mm-hmm. recognises himself, a man who's at rock bottom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and offers him, okay, I'm going to help you out. Um, I'm going to give, take you to the place where I live, where he's renting a room. Mm-hmm. I'll vouch for you, and I'll pay for your first month's rent. Mm-hmm. Because he sees that he is about, you know, he's at rock bottom, and he can only really go, you know, he's probably going to die, because he's, he's so unwell. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's at this point that one of the plot points appears. So oh. he's so Dan is in a room in this guest house. And the landlady says, you've got to be quiet. Previous guy was a math student. And he made me, he made me make this blackboard wall so he could do his calculations on it. But he wasn't oh. quiet. And you've got to be quiet. And we, <laughs> don't really th- we don't really think of anything at this point. She says, all you need to know is, and she, put, she draws on the blackboard how much the rent is per week. Uh-huh. She says, "That's what you got to worry about." <laughs> it's a nice moment, actually. It's it's very, it's very well done. Weird. Um, but this will, this wall will be very important. Okay. In that, uh, we then cut to a young girl called um, Abra, who is having a birthday party, and she is a little girl. Not a little girl, but she, I don't know how old she is. About twelve, probably. And she has the shine, okay. but her shine is out of control. She's she has telekinetic abilities. Mm-hmm. She can read people's minds, um, and her parents are understandably terrified of her. Mm-hmm. They they don't know what to do with her. They don't know what what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dan is now doing pretty well. He's he is um, attending AA meetings. He's working, uh, and he gets a job. Oh, so at the AA meeting, the local doctor uh, is chairing the AA meeting, who is also a recovering alcoholic. And the doctor looks down on his wrist and says, I just can't think what I've done with my watch. And before he says, I I can't think what I've done, Dan says, "Um, you left it in the operating room when you were scrubbing. And the guy just stands there and looks at him and says, how did you know that? So oh, it's just a feeling, you know, it's just a feeling I get. And, he's, and uh, so he gives him a job, uh, not because of this feeling, but because, <laughs> he, you know, he feels he feels that Dan is, is a bit special. Mm-hmm. He gives him a job at the hospice, mm-hmm. uh, cleaning floors and, you know, doing, you know, doing Fi- menial, menial kind of work. Finding watches. Uh, yeah, finding watches, cleaning floors. And it's when he's there that um, there's a cat that the uh, cat that lives at the hospice. The cat stands outside people's doors when they're about to die, <laughs> which is kind of creepy. It's kind of Egyptian. It's that it's kind of um, you know, cat, Stephen King. Cats being yes, very much so. But cats <laughs> being like the um, uh, 
a cat to help you through the afterlife kind of thing. Right. I mean, it's a bit like death out of um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, that's the third reference now. The third reference to Bill and Ted. So, uh, so Dan sees this and um, he goes in the room and because of his shine, he's able to communicate with these people without speaking. And mm-hmm. that puts them at an immense amount of ease because they don't have to speak, they don't have to do anything. And he kind of helps them to pass on gently. Right. Right, um, right, right. So he gets the nickname Dr. Sleep. Right, right. Um, Dr. Death would be another name. Dr. Death, well, yeah, maybe. Um, certainly not an insidious kind of you know, nastiness anyway. Because mm-hmm. these people are about to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're very old. Uh, some of them are unwell. And um, he helps them pass over, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, so now... Oh, yes. So he gets home from one of his shifts. And he sees something on the blackboard. Mm-hmm. He sees the word hello <laughs> with a smiley face in the O. Wake up, Neo. Yes, indeed. Yes. And he thinks, oh, that is that is strange. So he writes on the board, hi. <laughs> and then he goes to bed. He <laughs> doesn't really think about instead it too of, much. Instead of freaking out, for example. Yeah, exactly. Instead of wiping it off the blackboard and then leaving the place immediately, um, he writes hi on the blackboard mm-hmm. and uh, proceeds to have a, a conversation via the blackboard he doesn't know who it is, but it is Abra, who's the little girl that we've seen before. Okay, okay. okay. Um, but Abra is on the radar of guess who? Rose the Hat. And Rose the Hat realises that Abra is incredibly powerful. Okay. Is Abra, um, like, scary? You know, her parents are scared of her. Is that because she's hurt people? or you know? No, she hasn't hurt anybody. Uh, but she knows stuff that she shouldn't be able to know, and she mm-hmm, can move mm-hmm. stuff with her mind. It's all generally quite spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Rose the Hat has got her psychic scent and wants to either um, wants to either um, eat her brains, eat her brains, or keep her alive and eat her brains very slowly. Okay. <laughs> either way. It's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. Um, so, uh, but Abra is very powerful. So there's a couple of instances where Rose kind of reaches out to Abra mm-hmm. across the astral plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. These these are sequences that are very, very nicely done. And Abra is very powerful and is able to push Rose away, physically push her away. Okay. There's one scene when, when Rose is in a... Not uh, yeah, roses in a supermarket doing shopping because these people have to eat. You know, they don't just eat brains; <laughs> they have to eat food. She's in a supermarket and she's looking at a freezer, and she sees Abra looking back at her from the freezer, uh, which is very spooky. And she's really taken aback by this. But then she's then she realizes how powerful Abra is, right? And she tries to sort of get into her mind to figure out where she is, and Abra pushes her out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so hard that she flies across the supermarket floor, mm-hmm. and there's a wonderful look on Rose's face of fear but desire at the same time. Mm-hmm. So she is afraid of her, but she wants that power, mm. um, which will ultimately be her undoing. Of course, right. yes. 
She's thinking um, those those smell like nice brainses. Oh yeah, she's she's thinking those brainses smell goodses. <laughs> um. Uh, we then see the um, Rose and her her merry band of psych- psychopaths. <laughs> they have been uh, hunting a young boy who is a baseball. He's a baseball player, mm-hmm. and we see someone say in the crowd uh, where this kid is playing baseball, he never misses. He always hits the ball, and and it's then that we realise that he is special. He's got the shine. Mm-hmm. He can always hit the ball regardless of what what's going on. Quite see, specialized psychic power. That's useful. Yeah, I mean it's quite useful. Yeah, that useful. could earn you a living, couldn't it? In in American society, indeed. Yes. Um, so uh, so he gets kidnapped by by Rose and her band, and we see him uh, we see him get killed, and it's quite nasty. That's where it doesn't hold back. That's where the nastiness, the Stephen Kingness. Okay, I was wondering what you floor. meant when you said the, the not holding back, but that's what you mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that that King can be at times pretty nasty, and this is one of those times. But it, but it's in service of the plot mm-hmm. because Abra sees this happening but can't do anything about it. Okay, and then she she finally uh, um, Dan. Um, is asleep and he hears something cracking and he turns to the blackboard and guess what's written on the blackboard backwards red rum yes <laughs> it's fantastic so it's like oh we're doing that are we and but it works <laughs> it, it cool. really absolutely works so he sees that and of course that throws him into red a spiral rum. oh my god yes so he sees red rum. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He gets up. He gets a piece of chalk, and he puts so it on the blackboard. Just for listener, that's that's a reference to the first film. It's one of the scariest bits. Of yes, it's absolutely terrifying. Little kid going red rum, red, red rum, rum, red rum, <laughs> which is murder backwards. Which is murder backwards. Yes, because he sees it written in a mirror. Um, so so Dan gets up and he writes on the blackboard, "Who?" question mark and he's obviously incredibly unsettled by this. He comes back. So he's got a kind of a friendship with this person. So he kind of trusts the whoever it is that He trusts. Yeah, I mean, okay. I think he sees it as a bit of fun, but now he doesn't see it as a bit of fun. Now he sees mm-hmm, it as a mm-hmm. serious thing. Mm-hmm. So he comes back from his shift and he sees on the blackboard baseball boy. But this mm-hmm. doesn't obviously mean anything to him mm-hmm, at this mm-hmm. point. But Abra then reaches out to him with her mind and speaks to him and says, mm-hmm. tells him what happened and says, I think she I should can... have done that in the first place. Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think she was probably too scared to do that. Okay. Um, she reaches out to him and she says, I can find them because one of them was handling his baseball glove. Okay. And I know where he's buried. And if you get me the glove, I can find them. I can find out where they are. Okay. And he is really reluctant to do that. He says, you need to let this go. You need to just forget about them. And she says, but but they're trying to find me, mm-hmm. which is why I need your help. Okay. And then Dan's friend is from the Is he still Overlook, doing okay at this point? Um, is he doing okay? Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't started drinking again, although he okay. is seriously thinking about it, yeah. which you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. 
Um, uh, so then back in the hospice, uh, he sees the cat go to a room and he says to the cat, why are you going to that room? It's empty. There's nobody in there. <laughs> so he goes in there and his friend from the Overlook is there and says, this is my last dream on earth. You need to help that girl. You okay. need to give her what she wants because if you don't, they're going to get to her. So you need okay. to help her. So he okay. that's what makes his mind up, really. Okay. Um, so together with um, uh, the man who gave him, who vouched for him and is sort of uh, has been a great friend to him, they go to dig up. Well, he says on the way there, the guy says, um, "Okay, so this stuff you've told me, either, either." You've made it up, and we go and dig, and there's nothing there, and that's fine. That's crazy, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling the truth, then I just don't know what to do with this information. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And he says, okay, well, I am telling the truth, and uh, you're just going to have to trust me. Mm-hmm. So they get there, and they dig, and then they eventually they find the boy. And mm-hmm. it's uh, that, that scene is really tough to watch because they're just so disturbed by this. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't bury him very deep, and it's um, he, he and another very Stephen King like scene. Dan's friend says, "I know this smell because I used to be a hunter." Did I tell you I used to be a hunter? He says to him, and he says, "No, you didn't." He says, "Yeah, once I went hunting and I saw a deer, and I shot it. I winged it. I ran after it, and it disappeared. Mm-hmm. I completely disappeared. Didn't see it." And then I was out there another day and I smelt something and it got stuck in a tree and it couldn't get out and it just died there. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I smelt that smell, this exact smell that day. Mm-hmm. And that's a very Stephen King kind of <laughs> scene. Mm-hmm. And I never hunted again. That's what he says. I never hunted again. Um, so they find the boy, they get the glove and they take it. They take it to Abra Mm-hmm. And she then figures out where Rose the Hat and her merry band of psychopathic um, soul suckers mm-hmm. are, but they don't really know what to do. Yeah, about I mean, this. They, they should have made a plan. <laughs> yes, but but so they they do put together a plan. Okay. okay. So um, he asks his friend if he still has has hunting rifles. Ah, used to be a hunter, you know. Yes, exactly. That's important information. Important yeah. information. And they lay a trap for Rose. But Rose doesn't come okay. because she is afraid. She is afraid that maybe Abra's got so much power that she can defeat her. Mm-hmm. So she stays away. She sends all of her friends to go there. Um, and they lay a trap. So they have a nice clearing in the woods. And Abra is sitting on a table. And they approach her. And they give her a sedative, and then they realise that it's it's a decoy. What mm-hmm. they've actually sedated a stuffed unicorn, you know, a toy unicorn. Mm. And Abra is not there at all. She is projecting herself. Okay, okay. To make it look like she's there. She's powerful. And as as they're all there, they all get picked off one by one by Dan and his friend, mm-hmm. which is again quite a nasty scene. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really hold back on that, <coughs> but. Um. The young girl that that the that Rose had recruited, the one who is making people fall asleep and can use suggestion to 
get people to do stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She tells Dan's friend to shoot himself, and he does. So that's nas- that's nasty. It is quite Stephen Kingish. Like it, it definitely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, sometimes I think it's quite childish. Yes, that's fair. But that can be quite macabre. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is macabre. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it it is kind of. Um, it is, I, pr- I think, probably one of the most... Actually, no, it's not the most Stephen King. I think it, chapters one and two, are probably the most cinematic Stephen King I've seen recently. But this one is a close second or a close third okay. to those movies. Um, you mean most faithful to what the books are really like? Yes. Right, right, right. Yes, definitely. I think it, chapter one, is fantastic because it has a kind of... Uh, it has the spirit of the movie Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a horror movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, chapter two is less successful, but that's mainly because it's all about the adults. Mm. And the adults are just not as interesting. Right. Because um, they have these hang-ups, and you just don't really care about you know, just <laughs> enough with the hang-ups. Sometimes I find with Stephen King that because it's all supernatural and stuff, it, I, I, can't, I feel a bit like, well... Like, I don't know, I don't believe it or something just because it's like, you know, unlikely. <laughs> okay, so I, th- I think the thing with King is that he introduces supernatural, fantastical elements into a very mundane scenario. I think that's his big thing, really. Okay. Um, so it, you know, is about a killer clown that lives in a sleepy town in Maine in the United States. It's about a bunch of kids who discover that it is a creepy clown. I mean, I see that. So I definitely think I've I've seen horror that is um, where, in a way, the, the actual supernatural stuff is like a metaphor for what's really happening or, or not as interesting as the thing. But I've never quite had that feeling about Stephen King. I think maybe you're saying that you are having that feeling from it. Yeah, I mean, Vintage King, that's what it's all about. Okay. A good, good example of that is Salem's Lot, mm-hmm. which is a terrific book all about vampires. Yeah, I don't think I've either read or seen it. But you've yeah. talked about it before. Yeah, I think it's a, fan, it's a fantastic book. Really creepy and scary. Uh, I think there was a two-part uh, TV movie miniseries that was put together in the 70s, which is okay, but as far as I understand, there's a new version of that coming out quite soon, which I'm mm. very interested in. Um, anyway, so so Dan's friend is dead. Jabra, sorry, not Jabra, Abra, does eventually get kidnapped by one of Rose's band. Mm-hmm. He goes to mm-hmm. her house and he grabs her in person. Mm-hmm. But she escapes from him um, by... She realises that she has a seatbelt on in the back of his car, but he's not wearing one, mm-hmm. which is a mistake mm-hmm. because she she pushes his mind and he crashes into a tree and flies out the front of the car mm-hmm. into a tree himself and dies, which is quite mm-hmm. nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, she survives. Um, Dan finds her, and then he realises that there is only really only one place that they can go to where they can beat Rose. And that is the Overlook Hotel. Which is burnt down and not burnt down? Not burnt down. So they followed the, the timeline of the movie, of The okay. Shining, 
and the hotel hasn't burned down. It's been boarded up. It's it was abandoned after the events of nineteen eighty. Okay. It's been boarded up, and nobody's been there since then. And why do they need to go there? Because there are things there that are hungry. Okay. <laughs> very very reason. hungry. Okay, we'll just suspend our disbelief. Yeah, um, things there that are hungry, and they will eat okay. Rose. Okay. Eat her soul, basically. Right, right, right. Um, but not so, or Danny's. So at this point, we hear the opening titles of The Shining. Mm. We have some steady cam, mm-hmm. and we see him driving the same route up into the mountains. But it's snowy now. Obviously, it wasn't snowy in The Shining when they were driving to the hotel. Okay. It's snowing, and it sends shivers. It really does send shivers, because the, right. the shots are exactly the same. Um, it's, it's really difficult yeah. to make that judgment about when you're doing a sequel, how much time are you going to spend nodding the previous one and how they, is it going to work? Okay, so they know? do that occasionally during the film, but this this final, I'd say, final third of the movie, that's the final half an hour of the movie, is all set in the Overlook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's an Overlook that is not the same as the Overlook in The Shining. I, I don't mean that it looks the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they used, uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick kept meticulous records of every film that he made. Mm. Um, so they used the same patterns for the wallpaper and the carpets and the floorings, and it looks, it looks as good as the as the Overlook did in Ready Player One. Mm. Only, of course, in Ready Player One, it looks like it did in The Shining, whereas this one is thirty years on. And right, it's right, looking right. a bit tired, you know. It's that's kind of fun, that isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, uh, so they arrive there, and Dan says to Abra, "You need to stay outside because I'm going to go in there and wake it up." <laughs> and you really don't want to be in there when it wakes up because it will sense how powerful you are. So he goes in. He lights up the furnaces in the basement. This will come back later, <laughs> and he gets drawn to the bar. Where there's music playing. Okay. The same music from The Shining. There isn't, is there a bit with Jack in the bar? Is that a thing? Okay. So um, he, goes the to the, he goes to the bar and the barman says, um, what will you be drinking, Mr. Torrance? And uh, Dan says, um, I'll have bourbon, which is what you always had. And he gets poured some Jack Daniels. So is, that, is there a scene with Jack in the bar in the original? Yes. Feels, yeah, no. Okay. Well, yeah, Jack goes to the bar. Okay. And he is served drinks by Lloyd, who's a ghastly bartender. Okay, okay. Um, and Lloyd is the man who um, did the, mur- the murders in room 237. Okay. So he goes there. He goes to the bar and uh, the barman says, what do you have? And offers him bourbon. And Dan doesn't drink it, and the barman gets very aggressive. And we don't see who it is for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And then we see a two-shot of Dan and the barman. We realise that the, that the barman is Jack Torrance. Mm-hmm. And Jack Torrance is still there. Okay. Um, he exists there now. His, his ghost. Yes, basic. Yes, I suppose so. Although they never use words like that in this mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. movie. Um. And the the apparition appears to coax Dan into drinking again, but he just he declines. Mm-hmm. And Jack, as we'll call him, but he's actually he's called Lloyd. He refers to himself as Lloyd. Mm. He he hits the 
glass off the bar and taunts him and but then rose arrives and what ensues is a a chase across the um across the overlook with abra and dan and rose um and then uh, dan Oh, we see the girls. So the girls say, come mm-hmm. and play with us, Danny, again. <laughs> which is pretty creepy. Um, and then Dan unleashes all of the things that were in, in the boxes in his mind. Right. right, right he right, opens right. them up and they devour Rose alive. So kind it's of, quite yeah. interesting. Like, like, because sometimes sequels have a, have a symmetry that is pleasing. Yes. That's why, how they can be good and not just bad. And so it's quite interesting that he he was in that hotel as just a somewhere that was just utterly terrifying for him, and he was a small child. Yes. And then he comes back as, and he's the one releasing the terrors. Yes. And he because is the predator. Yeah. Yes, quite. Yes. Exactly. And uh, but what happens to him is he gets he he gets drawn into the hotel, um, and gets kind of possessed by it. Right. This is so Stephen King. It it really is, and he then chases Abra. Okay. In the way that Jack chased him. Yeah. Around the hotel. Here's Danny. But kind of regains his humanity. Okay. Goes down to the basement and overloads the furnaces like Jack did in (laughs) the book. Yeah. So then we see (laughs) Doctor Sleep end in the way that the Book of the Shining ended. Right. So right. Dan sacrifices himself so that so that she can escape. Did you ever watch um, uh, uh, the one about the political drama where he keeps turning to the camera? Oh, uh, turning to the camera. Yeah, what's it called? Political drama where he turns to the camera. Oh yes, House of Cards. House of Cards, the original House of Cards. The one with um, um, Ian Richardson. Yeah. yeah. So that book. Um, was written by an MP. I've forgotten his name. Yes, it was. Or a civil servant, I think. An MP. Uh, uh, civil servant, I think. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was. It was a civil servant. Yeah. Um, he wrote three books to go with the three series that were made. That's right. And at the end of each book, he killed off the the main character. Yeah, but then, then brought him back again. Then the TV series chose not to kill him off, so he just continued the next book from that point as if oh, he had died. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. A bit like that, really. So he's uh, so Stephen King is like trying to get the ending he wanted by just writing a whole other book. I suppose so, but <laughs> um, I think it's more down to Mike Flanagan, who's who wrote, who adapted this book, <laughs> but has also effectively adapted Stanley Kubrick's The Shining into this movie as mm, well, mm, mm. and managed to make the two, all three things. So you've got you've got a, you've got an adaptation. Sorry. You've got three things. You've got the original book of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got four things, actually. You've got Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. Mm-hmm. You've got Stephen King's novel of Dr. Sleep, and you've got Mike Flanagan's adaptation of Dr. Mm-hmm. Sleep. Mm-hmm. And he manages to make all of those things work together. Right, yeah. Which is quite a feat. Right. And it, I mean, the, the sequeliness of it sounds really quite interesting. The, it is interesting, yeah. It really is. of the previous thing. It's interesting because it's about... You know, Dan Torrance, it's about him struggling in his life to get away from what he was. 
but ending up getting pulled back into it anyway because that's mm. who he is. Mm. Mm. You know, he's he, he's using his power for in a righteous way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and in and in so doing, I mean, he does sacrifice himself so that she will escape. But that's really the only thing he can do at that point. Mm. That's really the only story art that's left for him. So he goes down to the basement and he overloads the furnaces. And then watches them set light, and the hotel burns down. Um, and, and then there's and a little. Abra's okay. Pardon. And Abra's okay. She's fine. Yeah, she escapes, and she gets she gets home. And then the final scene is we see her talking to him. So he is dreaming, okay. dreaming on Earth, uh-huh. and um, he says he's fine, and he he hopes that she is fine. Then her mum comes in. And says, who are you talking to? And of course, there's nobody there. And she says, no one. And then, uh, because she was just talking to Dan, and Dan said, you need to tell your parents everything. Because they need to know. Um, It's important that they know about who you are and what you are and what you can do. And she's reluctant to do this. But then she calls her mum back and she says, no, I was talking to my friend Dan. And this is what happened. And then the film ends, basically. Mm. So, so she's going to have a less maladjusted life. Yes, I should think so. Yes. Maybe she'll go and work for the government reading people's minds or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I enjoyed this immensely, this film. Okay. It manages to have, like I was saying, like a balancing act of nostalgia, uh, of paying reverence to to Stanley Kubrick's movie as well as Stephen King's books mm-hmm. and manages to juggle all of those things really well. Um, really, really impressive. So one thing about it, The the Shining is really scary because uh, he's a child and you really feel the vulnerability yes. of him. And actually also his mum as well. Yes. It's very, very vulnerable character. Like she's mentally... Um, close to breakdown. Mm. So, is the fact that the the main character is an adult does that take away from that sense of peril? No, because Rose the Hat is very powerful, and Abra is a kid, and it's really Abra's it's Abra's story as as much as it is Dan's story. Right. Okay. So and although yeah. Abra is very powerful with the shine, she's not a match for the entire group of them. Mm. Mm. Um. Uh, and also you feel that people who are not who don't have the shine in the story are at terrible in terrible peril really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when his friend says oh I'll come along and help you i was just saying <laughs> no don't do that because <laughs> you're out of your depth right. you're right. you're completely out of your depth on this one you need to stay away from it because these people right. are you know they're basically super powered mm. in a way um so no, th- there is definitely peril. Mm-hmm. There's definitely mm-hmm. peril, and I didn't. Uh, although I thought that the movie would end up at the Overlook, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that maybe Abra would sacrifice herself to save Dan or something like that, but actually that turned out to be the opposite way, because I hadn't read the book before I read this, mm-hmm. before I mm-hmm. saw this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sequels. Because you have to do a little bit of story um, acrobatics to make it work, you end up with slightly unexpected mm. characters. So I, I'm particularly thinking of, for example, in Aliens, 
Ripley uh, is an action hero, even though she's female, and that would be uh, that's unconventional. Mm. And it comes out of the fact that she's a survivor from a horror film, which is actually quite a conventional role. In the first Alien film, she's a survivor, but that that then means that to make things work out, she then becomes an action hero, which I think is totally cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. Yeah. Um, but it also it's an example of how sometimes sequels um, lead you to unexpected character things. Yes, definitely. So yes. this, like an adult male who is in some sense still a victim in this film is quite he's, an interesting... He's uh, definitely a victim and uh, and you see to the end of the movie, to the final third of the movie when he's offered a drink and he turns it down um, you constantly think that he is going to crack and he's going to break mm. because he is, you know, he is like um, he's shattered you know, Dan mm. Torrance. He's completely broken as a as a person. Even when he even when he gets his life back on track, he's never that far away from having another drink because mm. mm. he's such a mess. And and Hugh McGregor plays it really well. I can imagine it's, he might. It's very convincing. Okay, so here's the question. Yes. Does, did it was did it teach you anything about life? Like about, for example, being broken or something like that. Uh, yeah. I suppose it does. I mean, it, it, it teaches you that even though you might be broken, you can still help somebody else. There might be something left in you that, that you can use to help somebody else out, even though you yourself might be broken. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can't help yourself, but maybe you can help somebody else. Yeah, that's sort of a hopeless message, isn't it? It's very movie logic, that. It's movie so, logic, yeah. You're so broken, you can never be redeemed, but you can give your life for someone else instead. Yes, which is what he does. Which is a bit, yeah. Um, and, and you know, in sort of real-world terms, giving your life for someone else doesn't mean dying. It could mean dedicating yourself to other people mm-hmm. in, yeah, the way, think- in the way that, um, you know, if we think about people like Francis of Assisi, who was... You know, stupidly rich, and then dedicated his life to the poor, and gave himself to that. That's that's an example of someone who is, you know, broken, but then dedicates themselves to other people. That's right. that's one example. Right, right, right. You know. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if the death is a is only metaphorical, it's a bit less. Yeah, it's metaphorical. It yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit like sometimes movies just just think some people are so. Uh, so broken they just need to be killed <laughs> to be redeemed and that's that's, maybe that's a dodgy idea I think maybe that's what Stephen King thought as he was writing the book <laughs> he thought no he's just got to die I mean someone's got to die at the end of that film right so you know yeah I mean Rose the Hat dies which is a good thing because she's a horrific character yeah no but I mean that, yeah, you can't just have all the goodies get to the end surely no someone's got to check out I mean obviously his friend gets killed which is quite nasty because mm-hmm. his friend basically has nothing, to, has nothing to do with it. Yes, collateral damage. He's he was for, wearing a red uniform. He's along for the ride, and he shouldn't have gone. He should have lent him his car <laughs> yeah, and his gun, and, and his gun, and said, "Just go." Here's my keys. Here's I my don't gun. want anything to do with this. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. But he didn't do yeah. that. That's not what happens, is it? Yeah, it's it is. It is hugely successful, I'd say, as a movie. And it, and it, when you know, when I first heard about this, I was quite excited. Mm-hmm. I missed it at the cinema. 
uh, when it came out. Uh, but I remember Mark Kermode reviewing it on his radio show and really enjoying it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. he used the phrase, it's a lot better than it has any right to be. Right. Um, which I think is, you know, talking about it's trying to follow up The Shining, mm-hmm. the movie of The Shining, and it does so. It does so without actually following it up, mm-hmm. um, which is a clever trick to to. What, what to do you mean? Say. Well, it does so by telling a different story. Right, 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 right. Yeah, as opposed to some sequels which just try and do the same thing again. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not the same thing again. So I think it's interesting that uh, I can't think of a film we've referenced in the middle of this podcast that wasn't itself a sequel. Mm. <laughs> So I talked about Aliens, we talked about Terminator 2, and we talked about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. They're all sequels, and all arguably better than the original. Oh, Bogus Journey is a lot better than Excellent yes. Adventure. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, Excellent Adventure is actually quite a ropey film. Yeah, it doesn't, it only really needs to exist so that you can have Bogus Journey. Yes, absolutely. Which I certainly wouldn't say about Alien or Terminator 1, but Terminator 1 is made a lot better by Terminator 2. Oh, definitely. Yeah, um, I would probably say I prefer Alien over Aliens, but it's a close run thing. I think it depends. I mean, I like Alien for the sci-fi horror. I like Aliens for the action and the horror, but and they I, are I, I, but they are very different movies. Aliens is the one that sticks in your head and you quote and well, it's very quotable, particularly Bill Paxton's lines. Yeah, <laughs> also, I mean, even there's some utterly iconic imagery in Aliens, like uh, when she's in her room with a cigarette just burning away. That's in her that's hand. a nice shot, isn't it? That's incredible. Yeah. And and yeah, there's a, there's a nice cross cut as well when she's in her cryo tube and they find her, and then it cross cuts to Earth and it's sort of the same shape. There's some nice cinematography and editing okay. in Aliens. Oh, I don't think I've noticed that. Yeah, it's it's very nice. And yeah, obviously there's the cigarette burning and. Um, uh, I think all of, all of the production design on Aliens is pretty stunning. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's pretty stunning. I mean, I mean, to, to follow up Alien, in which the production design is incredible. It's it's impeccable. Yeah, it is impeccable. There's, yeah, you can't fault it. And Aliens manages to have some pretty amazing production design of its own. Yeah. Um, which is quite a feat. Yeah, listener, if you if you're not into horror, uh. Just really try Alien. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yes, it's a 15. You're not going to like it. It's but, a 15, you know. for goodness sake. Is it? Yes, it was reclassified. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. It should be. It should still be an 18, I think. No one should be allowed to watch it. No one should be allowed to watch it. <laughs> not, even, not even Ridley Scott. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we amazing. go. Uh, there's a bit of trivia here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um... Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance in The Shining, makes a cameo mm-hmm. appearance as a spectator ah. at the baseball game. Why didn't they get him to do the actual thing? He's the only actor from The Shining to make an appearance. He's been retired from acting for 38 years. He was direct messaged on Twitter by Mike Flanagan to appear in the film, and he said yes. <laughs> uh, so he, he's, just in the, he's just in the crowd. Okay, so he's not interested in acting. No, he's a school teacher and, and apparently a very good one. So, um, uh-huh. uh, they did not offer um, Jack Nicholson anything. 
but they knew that he'd been approached for Ready Player One, and he seems to be very serious about being retired. So they okay. didn't they didn't approach him for this. Okay, okay. But apparently he said Jack Jack apparently did contact them and said he supported it and said good luck. Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. So, um, which is cool. So it sounds it sounds interesting. The sequel stuff, you know, the the kind of re. Um, the, the it sounds like they've done an interesting enough stuff with the story that uh, that it does sound quite good. Yeah, it is good. I think uh, you should put it in your PVR because it's worth it. So I watched the director's cut, which is um, three hours long. I watched it in two sittings. That's long. That is long. The theatrical cut was 150 minutes, so two and a half hours. So they managed to find mm. half an hour, which is wow, quite a lot. Was that? Did that not feel quite slow? Then? No, no. Well, yes, it feels slow, but it doesn't feel ponderous. So it takes its time. But I thought the pacing for a three-hour movie was really good. Because I still, I don't have a great deal of love for The Shining. No, I know. But I think no. I think the slowness of it is a factor. Yeah, it it does take its time, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. I also think I do think the childishness of Stephen King. I struggle with it. I struggle with it. Fair enough. Yeah, I I enjoy. For the most part, I enjoy it. Um, kind of like junk food, really. <laughs> Something to enjoy. It's a savour. And then it's gone. I should, then you I feel hungry again. Myself. You just want to read another one. I should get over myself. You should read um, Different Seasons, I think it's called. Which is the book of short stories that are not horror stories. That mm. that have mostly been adapted to films. So there's um, The Body, which was adapted as Stand By Me. Uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which was adapted to Shawshank Redemption, apt pupil. But yeah, the book of Shawshank Redemption is fantastic. Really? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And reading only- it, you reading it, you can see why somebody thought, yeah, this would make an amazing film. The only Stephen is it Stephen Baxter? Uh, his his pseudonym. Say that again. Oh yes, Richard Backman. Richard Richard Backman. Yeah. The only Richard Backman book I've read is The Running Man. Oh yeah, that's a good book. Which is really good. I really liked it. Yeah, so that so his early stuff is quite sci-fi. It was completely sci-fi. Um there's Backman, I uh, see there's Running Man and there's The Long Walk as well. Oh yeah, which I haven't read. Which is very good. That's being made into a movie. I'm not sure how they're going to deal with that. Bunch of people walking. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, so Batman stuff is really interesting. It's quite hard sci-fi, quite, yeah, sci-fi, action, horror kind of thing. But then The the Running Man, speaking of Arnie films. Do we have to talk about The Running Man? It's not good. No. It's not good. And not in a bad, not in a good way. No, it's just rubbish. Just, It's just really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Don't check it out. No, don't bother. Watch T2 instead. Again. Yes. So I'll just give you the um, the Rotten Tomatoes summing up. And it says, It forsakes the elemental terror of its predecessor for a more contemplative sequel that balances poignant themes against spine-tingling chills. Um, Brian Tallarico Tel, Tel, of RogerEbert.com gave the film three out of four, saying, 
Flanagan was tasked with making a sequel to a film that stays loyal to a book that ignores the changes made in the first movie. This isn't easy, and different <laughs> characters are in different places at the end of the book and film versions of The Shining. Flanagan has to tie the two together. Um, and while one can sometimes feel Flanagan struggling to satisfy both King and Kubrick fans, he's talented enough to pull off this difficult bland blend of legacies. Yeah, I think that he is talented. Uh, I think um, the first movie I saw of his was a movie called Oculus with Karen Gillan, which I really enjoyed. And Don't you ever seen that? And then I watched, I watched that and thought, this guy knows how to put a horror movie together mm. and make it seriously scary, uh, but also give you enough other stuff like production design and character work to keep you interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> I heartily recommend Doctor Sleep. If you haven't seen it, didn't do that well at the box office. I think maybe mm. the title put maybe put some people off because it's not called The Shining Two. Sounds like a Marvel film. It sounds like a Marvel movie. Um, so it didn't do that well at the box office, but Warner Brothers believed it enough to give him a director's cut on home entertainment, which is something. Mm. Um, so yeah, really liked mm. it. Yeah, and I might I might check it out. Um. Things that I've been consuming yes. recently. Yes. I've been reading a sci-fi book called Rosewater. Oh yeah, I've heard of is, that. I think it's, it's quite interesting. It's um, it's set. It, it's it's a there's an alien has appeared on the Earth, yes. like a big blobby thing. Blobby that no one can go in. And if you get near it, sometimes it vents this weird gas that heals you of stuff. Ooh. But it, it also reanimates corpses because the aliens seem to like not really get humans that well, or that's the kind of impression you get. Right. So after the venting's happened, all these um, reanimated corpses are wandering around that have to be finished off. Wow, that sounds good. Um, and it's also the presence of the alien has also caused some people to have a kind of psychic type power, mm. um, which is scientifically explained, but. Um, I'm trying to think if I, I'm sure I've heard of this, and it's uh, it, the style of it is it's quite interesting and different. And I'm getting really okay. near the end, and it's it, things have things have changed a bit now. On my understanding so of how it's things a trilogy. Have, yes, there are a couple of others that I'm hoping to. Okay, um, but it's uh, it's pretty different, but it's quite hard sci-fi-ish. It's quite good. I quite like it. The main character is. Um, is is inscrutable. Mm. It's really interesting. Excellent. I feel like if I if I got to the end and found out actually nothing was how I thought it was nice. right from the beginning, okay. then that would that would be that wouldn't be a surprise. At the moment, I still don't really know. But a lot of things have already turned out not to be what I thought. <laughs> I feel like the main character might be totally unreliable. So this right. is set in Nigeria. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's set in... So the alien first landed in London, and it stayed there for a while, and then the Brits dropped a nuke on it, or a large bomb of some kind. So it it slooked into the Earth's crust and moved to <laughs> the middle of the countryside in Nigeria. Right, okay. Um, and popped up there. At least that, that's what I think what happened. <laughs> so it's set in the year 2066. Yeah. And it has lots of flashbacks jumping through the... The main character's life. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, it, it's all right. Yeah, it's good. Nice. That sounds good. I'm just see if there's an audio book of it. There probably is. Hmm. Cool. Excellent. One for you to consume, listener. Yes. Yes, indeed. Just gonna have a look and see if there's an audio book. Man, looks something up on the internet. <laughs> so, um, uh, the it seems like the country is going to grind to a halt. Yes, because um, of coronavirus. Yeah, thanks to uh, yeah. So we've got a working from home day tomorrow. Just the one. Well, to test everything works. Oh, okay. But you know that. Uh, yeah, it works for me. But whether it'll work when everyone's at home. But presumably, there's got to be somebody in the office. Mm, I don't know. So there's got to be people at least available to get to the data centres and stuff. I don't know whether there's got to be someone in the office. Right, and the data centres are somewhere in London. Some of them. Some of them. Some of them are in in to cloud. In, well, in uh, they're all in to other cloud. places. Actual well, yes, places. they're all in data centres somewhere. Yes, indeed. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yes, uh, Rosewater is available on Audible. Right, so I shall well, definitely consider that. Do consider it. Yeah, 13 hours long. Good for commuting. Right. Hmm. Cool. I grab all three and binge them. So, listener, we hope that you uh, are well yes. during the COVID-19 outbreak. We are. We hope. We, we trust that the world economy won't collapse to the extent that podcasts continue to exist. Yeah, that would be bad. Because obviously it's all about us. Mm. Um, I was reading some advice for people who have respiratory diseases. Mm-hmm. People like me who are wheezy asthmatics. If you get, um, if you catch coronavirus, um, is to keep using your inhaler. Uh, pretty much like you would if you've got the flu or you've got a bad cold. Keep using your puffer and if it gets worse, then consult your doctor. But otherwise, you don't need to be stockpiling toilet paper if you've got asthma. <laughs> you might need to be breathing through yes. the, the toilet roll tube. Yeah, indeed. Keep um, calm. Yeah, so keep, Stay indoors. Keep calm. Carry on. Don't panic. It'll pass. Um, that's it, really. Yeah, yeah be, be so excellent assuming, to each other. Assuming that we all do survive... Which we will, uh, yes. We'll see you next time. We will see you next time, yes, for more, hopefully, film-related fun. Maybe maybe a TV show next time. Oh, looking forward to it. Yeah, maybe. Have you got anything to plug? I've got nothing to plug. Neither do I. Does that mean we're just going to sign off with nothing? (laughs) Well, um, the conference that I'm doing at the end of the month, the ACCU conference, it's looking like it might be moved to be online only. Ah, because they don't want people gathering. Yeah, which yeah. would be very sad because you know the cool thing about it for me is meeting people and spending time with them. But that might be the way it has to be, which would be sad. Yes, but we'll see. It hasn't been announced, but I feel like it's probably going to be. Yeah, that seems reasonable. That seems so. Reasonable. Don't don't come and see me in Bristol. Well, maybe come and see me in Bristol. Well, I think I listener. think check the um, ACCA website for details. ACCU, yeah, ACCU, yeah, yeah. sorry, I mean, and uh, if it's it, all right, yeah. if it's on, they'll keep they'll keep you up to date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if uh, it's on, come and yeah. see me talking about uh, character sets, and come and see me and CB talking about the linker. Yes, do that. 
it's going to be good. And uh, I think last, I actually came a couple of years ago, maybe it was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. I came to some event that was on in the evening and I met up with you and CB. Yeah, it was a speed chess event, That's right. I believe. Yeah, I didn't do any speed <laughs> chess, but we managed to blag some ice creams, which was quite nice. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, or rather, I managed, I said, you mentioned something about ice cream to someone and they brought us some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it was all yeah. a bit Hitchhiker's Guide. I felt very much like the Ford Prefect. <laughs> getting stuff yeah. for free well there probably won't be any of that this year no because it'll be virtual and you just have to go and buy your own ice cream probably I mean the upside of that might be that listener you might be able to view it live depending how they choose to do the the, the online version maybe they'll mm. use some public platform oh like the tubes of you yeah or, maybe or PeerTube they won't be using PeerTube not enough bandwidth well, I don't think there's any live thing in PeerTube. So oh, okay. Kind of, yeah. Mm. But also, they just won't. They just <laughs> won't use just, it. Yeah. Like, five people use it. But yeah, You're one but of I'm, them. I'm one of them. You're one of them. Yeah. Um, that's it, then. That's it. Yeah. So, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, listener. Oh, cool. See you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>